0: Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett.
1: And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry.
0: We've both worked in ministry for over 18 years and have seen just about everything.
1: And as damaged as we are, we're ready to bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. And hopefully we've got some light today.
0: Oh, amen to that. So I was actually just like, okay, can I do this? Can I do this? Because our guest today is Tim glimkowski and i was terribly nervous about pronouncing his name correctly i think i hit a home run
1: you've got a kapchinski friend how is it hard harder to say glimkowski than it is kapchinski I,
0: i've had a kapchinski friend for like 20 years exactly. so I've had practice oh, I've okay. had practice so um <laughs> tim is the president and founder of lalto catholic he also is a co-founder with Revive parishes um he has written a book called made for mission renewing your parish culture and uh he is a uh a Catholic with a passion for mission. So Amen. tell us about yourself, Tim.
2: Yeah, I. Uh, so my, my wife uh, and I live in Colorado uh, near near Denver with our two small children and then one on the way. When is this podcast coming out? I don't know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> how, <laughs> yeah, old are your, how old are your kiddos?
2: Uh, four. Eva is four, um, our oldest, and then Theo is two. All right. Um, yeah. So just, yeah, i been worked, you know, worked in high school. I taught high school theology it was my first ministry job and then worked in a couple of parishes. And then, yeah, the last few years, um, more recently working just in these different apostolates and stuff. So that's kind of my heart is, my hero is John Paul II. And so I would say if I had to summarize like my, my heart uh, in so many ways is, is just as the church, um, you know, navigates a new cultural moment, like secularization as it's happening, how do we radically reorient our efforts toward mission, which is, you know, the perennial mission of the church, but if as we're being called in a new way, that that called that's how I interpret the called new evangelization. Whatever I can do to do that, that's what I want to do.
1: So awesome. I need to ask, how many years did you teach in the school?
2: Uh, three years. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. So you it wasn't a really long time, but it was definitely longer than me. I taught for one year and I was and I was done. It was just not not the same as youth ministry. And I know that I'm called to be a youth minister. So
2: I do think there's different, yeah, it's, it's kind of different. Um, there's, there's like it's strengths and weaknesses to each, you know, like yep. the, the degree to which you're as a teacher, you're a little bit set apart relationally can be tough, but it can also be an, an advantage because you have them five days a week. Absolutely. Um, there's yep. that like, um, constancy and then, but then, yeah, you, you throw in the grading and the, um, yeah, like for for me, the big I think the big thing was just classroom discipline. Like yep. at some point, I just didn't want to have to keep like giving people detentions and stuff. I was yep. like, this is why I got in the ministry.
0: So, <laughs> yeah. yep.
2: um, but I love I love the I, I I would say in some ways I think my personality is really suited to that because mm. uh, I love to hear myself talk. So uh, <laughs> I just yeah I like I liked teaching.
1: So how many times will you listen to this podcast once it's out? A thousand. Like every day. <laughs> yeah. Our downloads go, voice, our, our yeah. downloads triple for this one because he listens to it. <laughs> Just from <laughs> he, made, yeah. he
0: made it his ringtone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, one, one thing I wanted to unpack with you, uh, Tim, is you, you talk about in your book, renewing uh, your parish culture. And that term in and of itself, I think might be foreign to some people. Like, does my parish even have a culture? Like we need Jesus and I don't feel like we have them. So what, what would you define it as parish culture? And then is every parish able to renew it like some you have to have it first in order to lose it to renew it you know unpack that
2: yeah i think you know maybe in a, in a lot of ways i don't know if this is uh true but this is i thought this sometimes that god sometimes can really work through your wounds as far as showing you something that the church needs or the world needs in some sure. Um and i think for me a, a wound in ministry has always been the degree to which i've felt like my vision for helping people encounter a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ is not, it's like, I've been confused almost to the degree to which operating in different parish contexts or even in a Catholic school or or just kind of in, in the broader church world that it's like, well, everyone doesn't think that way. Like, how is that? So that's culture. Like when you're bumping up against stuff where it's, you know, the unspoken attitudes and opinions, kind of the sum total of the way we operate, kind of like the habitual way that we all think so if you you know the answers to the questions why am i catholic that every 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 parishioner in the pew why am i catholic what does the parish exist for Uh, what does the church exist for like the answers to those questions often people aren't very reflective on them but if you could get them to dig to what they think the sum total of those attitudes would be what would be considered the parish culture so when you find yourself trying to create progress and you're there's inertia and there's like the almost like the soft Uh, You're like bumping up against these walls and you're like not quite sure why that's
0: unhealthy culture And Mm. it's crazy because I see false positives in a lot of parishes, right? So why am I catholic? Well, my parents were catholic and it becomes this cultural catholicism or this family catholicism Which is great like generation upon generation has been catholic but it it misses the deeper call to mission, right or uh, the parishes that are very well organized and have a lot of different business practices, and they're running very successfully, almost as a uh, an institution, but not necessarily to the depth of parish mission that that they're called to. And again, you can look at that parish and be like, that parish is very successful. It has nice this and nice that, and it's very organized and ordered, uh, always clean bathrooms. But where's the, the heart of Christ, you know? Um, and so I think that... Uh, I think that even if things are going well, we need to examine the parish culture. Is it in the heart of Christ?
2: Yeah, that's it. Like um, the, the uh, um, you know, maintenance versus mission. That's been a really common kind of way of talking about these things right now. But you can yeah. even have more high-functioning maintenance. Like you could have a parish renewal strategy that just adopted, um, Yeah, like exactly what you said, where we're a really good parish and we're vibrant and we got tons of stuff going on and we're really healthy and there's... But if it's not radically, if, you know, if people aren't becoming disciples, both in the pews and then out, outside of the, then our parish culture is not what it's supposed to be, which is aligned with the overall mission of the church.
1: Yeah, they're just doing more stuff. And that's what like, typically a culturally Catholic you know, identity in, in a parish is, I do all the right things. You know? and, and now I'm doing even more of the right things because this is what we're
0: supposed to be doing now. That's not a, a renewed culture. They get all the what's correctly, but they've lost the why behind it. Yep. So how would a parish reclaim their why? And in particular, what if it's like just a couple of people who recognize, oh my gosh, our parish needs renewal, and everyone else is like, hey, our parish just needs uh, consistent tithing and everything will work out, or whatever it is, you know, that, that the priorities are different. How can... How can these these sometimes seemingly small voices transform a parish culture or renew a parish culture?
2: Yeah, and that's in a lot of ways, that's why I wrote the book. Like that question is what my biggest fear, you know, the Sherry Waddell wrote Forming Intentional Disciples seven years ago, eight years ago, right? So the word disciple is now like a very popular word in church world. Um but what I worry about is a missional maintenance where we adopt all the language um, of mission and some of the structures and some of the what's, but we don't really get back to the full how, which is this radical missionary conversion in, in all of our lives, but then also in the way we operate and think as a parish. So the, the book is supposed to lay out kind of the, the answer to that question. So if, if, a, if a, a pastor and his leadership team, this is kind of a top-down approach. Um, I think it can also be ground up as well, because I really think the culture is changed long-term when the hearts of people are changed. So when a significant percentage of the parish sees um, you know, that like kind of has that lens for both their own baptismal calling, but also the parish as a whole in in, in in light of mission, you know, now the culture's different. You know, you would you would feel that if you walked into a parish where even fifteen or twenty percent of the people in that that parish were like, you know, missionary disciples, you would experience that Sunday Mass differently. You might not be able to know what it like what it is, but there's just something about it, right? And so, um so ours is a top down approach for a pastor and his leadership team to kind of cast vision, build a clear path to discipleship, mobilize leaders and um, align key ministries with that that missional vision but it could also be ground up because either way the end goal is the same which is hearts right. tr- you know converted to the, the mission of the church and in jesus christ so um yeah that's kind of what the, the book unpacks our lens for that
0: so for our listeners. Tim is talking with his hands just as much as his voice. It's very entertaining. Uh, If you want, I'm not even an an
2: ounce of Italian either. I'm just I'm I'm Polish and Irish Chicago Catholic,
1: and some. We'll make sure we
0: get a good clip over on our Facebook group or whatever.
1: uh, Um, So the the ground up though, how does that work? Let's say you you have you know two, five, ten people. You know who are on board and have read your book and and want to move forward. Now maybe it's outlined in the book, but like what what do, what can they do if their parish needs this and even if their pastor needs it?
2: Yeah, so I'd say first if you're like we we actually had um, like I've had youth ministers buy copies of the book for their whole core team because they're like we don't have influence over the whole um, parish, but in our area of influence, our circle of influence, we can drive culture change here by using these principles. So basically the principles are supposed to be universally applicable to any kind of aspect of parish life. Um, I would say for me, like I'm really interested right now in kind of the, like the, there's a big thing in the evangelical world uh, where they've noticed, you know, we can't just keep, we're not going to be missional as, as Christians if we just keep trying to out Sunday each other And Mm -hmm. so let's, you know, do things like church planting and house churches and missional communities. And I really think there's a lot of reference points for like, I think when, when Catholics start gathering and pursuing holiness together in community, and then ultimately have a lens for mission in that, those are the ingredients. And however you want to bake them into your context, it's almost like I would just kind of grab, you know, if there's five of us, I'd get together and be like, we want to do holiness, community, and mission. How are we going to do that? here. You know, um, we, we get sometimes to tactics too quick. It's like, I like to see us burn a little bit more for, you know, um, God, what are you doing? Like, how can mm-hmm. I bless what mm-hmm. you're doing God with me and my friends, instead of yeah. just saying, these are the tactics for how you do ministry or so. Yeah. And so we're going to go do those things. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah.
0: It's more relational, relational with the Lord than it is, uh, academic with, uh, the strategy.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's almost like like I don't want to say be mission together, be community together. Before you like even think about transforming or trying to transform your parish, just be that, be that transformation together with a group of people before you start trying to do anything else. I, I like that a lot because um, we definitely move towards. The what, you know, just kind of of because it's comfortable, like what do I do in response to this or what can I do? It's interesting to say, hey, let's pause the what for a little bit and let's just be together.
0: I see people who might be frustrated maybe with their pastor or something that's happened at their parish uh, that might be listening and just like there's a little bit despair or something along those lines. And then they hear kind of your piece of advice and they're like, oh, I can't. There's nothing that I can just do this. There's no turnkey solution it's, uh, it's, it's, it's putting yourself into the heart of Christ and then allowing that movement to take place. Now, I'm, I'm a part of a married couples group, and we uh, chose not to, to go through the parish structure to make it a reality because there are certain things and requirements and different things like that. So we're all from the same parish, but it's not a parish-run ministry because it was actually easier to launch because there's not all these <laughs> different pieces of liability and lawyers and things like that that are involved. And I believe that we gathering once a month, go as six families into the parish on a weekly basis and help uh, renew or transform the culture. And so it doesn't necessarily—you can renew, I I guess, uh, you can renew your parish culture without it having to be a parish-endorsed event. Mm. And that's how it's been all along, because your personal prayer life is not a parish-endorsed event. It's a parish-encouraged event, hopefully, but it's not a parish-endorsed event. And that's how how sainthood always renews things, is normally— from the outside in, from a relationship with God into uh, application in a community.
2: Yeah, I had a conversation recently with a guy from California who's kind of doing similar work and, and he's even growing kind of more of like a mid-sized community with um, you know, some, some friends where they're, they're really trying to, um, and he was, you know, he was kind of saying to me like, the parish is not the primary location of mission. So why, like almost like challenging me a little bit, like why do you work with parishes? Um, and I was like, kind of like, to a, to a degree, I, I agree with you. Like the you know, diocesan ministry exists for the sake of parishes, parish ministry exists for the sake of families, you know, and families exist for the sake of each individual and, you know, like so and for each other, right? Like so there's a there's a subsidiarity approach there. I think for me, what I felt called to with Lalta was while we have all of this infrastructure, you know, fifteen thousand parishes in the United States that are operating according to a certain culture, we'd almost be remiss if, if we didn't, at some level, try to get into the institutional structure and say, how can we reorient our efforts to think and act differently? But yeah, at the end of the day, even that work is, I think, I think for me, I was just so tired of the image. I think we talked about this before, but the image I, I kind of got in some ways was, you know, new wine and old wineskins skins or, or trying to tie on an, a fresh piece of cloth, that biblical image onto an old piece of cloth, and then it tears away. And that's how often how I see is like, how can we do both? How can we bring the new cloth into a, a, a parish culture ultimately that then also has a lens for mission so that they're mutually supporting one another? But yeah, I, I don't know the answer to it. Like people ask, you know, like what's going to happen to the institution and, and you know, is it going to really work? Are we going to be able to be converted? And it's like, I don't know. We might have to become a lot smaller before we um, allow that, 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 that heart to come across. And in the meantime, you and I as lay people can't waste time. Just trying to influence things that we don't have influence over, right? That's um, so. I think both are needed: parish renewal and renewal in the institution, but also grassroots um, evangelistic efforts to mutually um, serve one another.
0: But when we talk about true renewal, it is an action primarily of the Holy Spirit, and and I want to speak to that because I know that there are people that are out there frustrated with their pastors, and their ideal scenario of renewal involves their pastor leaving and a new dynamic pastor coming in mm-hmm. and that will we'll, we'll be a dynamic parish or what will we'll, we'll be a renewed or a mission focused parish once we get a new priest. And I believe that this renewal that God desires for his church does not involve forsaking any of his children, right? So there is a place for the pastor that frustrates you in a renewed parish. There is a place and that, 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 that so pray for the changing of hearts right? Pray for the changing of your own heart, but also for the changing of the hearts of the people who might be in a culture situation that might be countercultural to mission, right? And now you feel like you're the one that's causing all these problems because you have a mission-focused mindset and you're moving in, and there's that friction and that conflict that comes up with it. Know that God has a place for those people um, in a renewed parish culture. I see you nodding your head. Have you had an example of this, or am I just spewing hope uh, hope against hope?
2: No, I mean, you're right. I I mean, that, that, that is a, um, it's not hope against hope for sure. I I, I did, but you, you saw my brain just like, I was like thinking of all these, um, situations. I mean, that's absolutely true. That's, that's 100% true. You know, I think real conversion is still, yeah, for sure. There's no, there's no doubt that, that there's, there's room for all of us, but I think, we're all called to a really deep heart level conversion, um, in, in in to really understand the gravity of the situation in front of us culturally, um, you know, outside of the church in the world, also within the church, and then in in each of our own hearts. And um, you know, the the hierarchical structure, the way that um, the the church is is structured, is a, a renewal of the the priesthood and our leadership will be like an integral part of. Parish culture is actually being renewed, so I think you're right. I mean, there's there's room for us. No one's ever like outside of we all need to feel deeply the gravity of the of the the crisis in front of us, both broadly in the culture and then internally within the way many of our parishes operate. So I'm trying to be very diplomatic because I'm thinking we we can tell. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm being honest with you, I've seen a couple situations where um, it will be very hard for a parish as a as an institution to see long term renewal. Because of the leadership of the parish. And that's probably just something where I, I don't know. I frankly am not entirely sure personally what to do with that. If I'm just being really blunt.
0: Yeah. And and that's what you do full time. And that's what
1: I do. This is what I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's hard because like we're called to trust. You know, and and this isn't our church, right? And like he is in charge. Like and, and it's it's hard to to wrestle with that, but then also wrestle with the the humanity and the human side of things, like I can thwart God's mission, you know, like by my actions, through my sin, I do that daily. You know, there, there may be areas where in my life I shouldn't be in that position. I think that's a reality for, for everyone, you know, in, in a certain sense. Literally, like the only
0: thing we're qualified to do is mess things up, right? That (laughs) that's the nature of concupiscence, you know? And so, so then, to be uh, humble enough to allow him to uh, use this as instruments is uh, is the the, mission, the first step to mission. You know, one of yeah.
1: the images that I use. Sorry, the when you were talking about the the cloth and the new wine and the wineskins, one of the images that I've always liked and used is that of a a vine or a tree. You know, and the green growing edge. We need the trunk. You know, the trunk needs to be there to supply. You know, everything that the rest of the the tree or the vine needs. Um, but we also need the green growing edge going out there, getting that new sunlight, you know getting to to other areas, and it hurts when you feel like you're on the green growing edge when you're the one who's out there trying to reach the new sunlight that the trunk needs and yeah. the body needs this, you know, and then what's happening is you're you're being closed in and you're saying, nope, you can't grow here, you can't grow there and it's like, but this is this is where the sunlight is. this is where we need to be you know and 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 part of that is arrogance and humility. Like maybe that's not where you need to be. And that part needs to be pruned, yeah. you know? So like kind of discerning all that, but that's the image that I always use. And it, um, it it kind of gets to the whole idea of needing both. Like we need both. We need this, the, the solid trunk and we need the, the green growing edge.
2: Yeah. The culture of our parishes like that, that trunk wasn't built overnight, yep. you know, like it wasn't like, um, just you know over like we, so with just a couple small tweaks or shifts will change it like we've we've developed a way a modus operandi you know as a, a way of a way of functioning as parishes many times over many many years and so the the prospect of culture change is also a many many year pro, you know prospect and that's where i think creating that specific goal of you know I, even with one of the parishes we're working with re- recently like we've gotten as specific as saying we want to try to put, we, we, we try to rally every parish's efforts around a discipleship pathway. And so we've even said like, we want to put uh, X amount of new people through each step of the pathway each year for the next five years. Like you have to be even as just like, like, um, hyper-focused on, cause sometimes if you can start thinking about, you know, renewal in a broader prospect and just kind of like, it can be o- almost overwhelming where, where you're, yeah, when you're trying to grow toward the the sunlight, but you're, It's easy to become frustrated at the trunk and to be, to stop trying to grow and to stop trying to push and innovate.
0: Yeah. And then the analyticals on the finance council will be like, okay, it's worthy to bring these people in to, to, to coach us, to train us, to mentor us, because now they have measurables, you know? Um, So, so that's helpful too, like concrete action, specific steps. What's one thing when you work with a parish that you're like, this is the behavior that I want to see you guys exhibit. And and maybe it's as a staff, you know, we we, we got to pray together or whatever it is. What are some of the habits of parish renewal?
2: Yeah, I mean, the for us the 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 four keys are really about um, creating a, what we call the trellis. Like, if the vines are going to grow in the parish, we're not saying that the structures themselves are the end goal. The, the, they create the new wine skin for some new wine to start growing. Yeah. It's really simple stuff. A lot of it is even modeled too. like a lot of our nine month coaching process. Like we're trying to model a lot of these things. Like how do we talk about, you know, like the primacy of evangelization of initial evangelization and you know, initial proclamation um, as something to be focused on. Like that's a lot of it is we're trying to draw attention and energy to pre evangelization and evangelization um, as parishes. Just basically saying, if this is where 95% of your people actually are, and only like 5% of our energies are going there, that's imbalanced. And so we need to restructure and reorient how we're mm. thinking. But then yeah, I mean, that, that was the feedback we got one of the first parishes we worked with, you know, we do kind of an offboarding thing and hand them like a, you know, kind of a two year strategic plan for like, here's the objectives we set up and try to, you know, do these things to, to meet those goals. And um, then we do t- take feedback too. you know, what went well, what didn't go well, and one of the things they said was, the way, the way we would pray in our meetings was one of the most challenging things to them because we were like, they were like, we were praying as if God was actually real and as if he was actually doing something. And I'm like, there we go. You know what I mean? Like it's those little things that are sometimes the things that like people really need to see. Cause it's like, we do, how many times do we do this? Like perfunctory, let's open the meeting in prayer. And it's like, is God actually at work? and driving everything in the parish or not, you know, like, is he real? And is he doing it or not? And are we going to pray that way? You know, it's like simple stuff that sometimes makes the biggest impact,
0: but it requires radical vulnerability and an acknowledgement that we are, uh, we are at service of a a higher, a higher mission. Right. Um, I think about that uh, because, well, if I just got written up by my supervisor or had a difficult conversation about someone because of a facility uh, snafu or something, all the logistics, all the different things that cause natural conflict. And now we're sitting there and we're inviting the Lord into our situation when we're harboring bitterness in our hearts towards our coworker. Like that is some interior conflict, some very uncomfortable thing to say, okay, let's invite Jesus in. Like I don't want to forgive you right now, but wait, we're going to be vulnerable before the Lord together.
1: Yeah. And and like I'd I'd be curious to know how many parishes – start and end, you know, start, at least start their meetings with, with prayer. And then how many of them do it with the same rote prayer that they do every single time, you know, which is in a way checking the box. Um, And so those, like those parishes then being introduced to this form of like trusting in our Lord, like I can imagine like the shock, you know, but it's beautiful to hear you say that, you know, they're like, you pray as if God does stuff and listens. It's like, wow, like that's amazing. He, uh, it, it is, it's like cool water, you know?
2: And I think, I think everyone craves that. I, and I think that's one of the wounds in my heart, uh, that like has driven some of this work is like, personally, I've just so often craved to be a part of a church that, um, prays that way together. Like I've just longed for that own community, that community in my own work and in my own, um, ministry. And, and it's like those desires in me for something that's missing is what's driven so many of the solutions we're trying to provide,
1: you know, and someone said to me a long time ago, you know, that typically your, your greatest wound, once it's healed becomes the greatest source of ministry for yourself or the greatest source that you can bless other people. Um, and like, that's one of the reasons why a blaze exists. You know, obviously that's the reason it sounds like your ministry exists. And I think that's like, God chooses to, to, to do that. If we, if we bring him into it, like he, he takes that and he, and he runs with it, and it's beautiful.
2: Can I ask you, Matt? I'm yeah. interested, so I want to lean into that a little bit. i uh, here's something I've found too, though. On the other side is while that wound is being healed, um, like what w- I feel like, what wounds can do in in that way is they can either drive you, they can either be you can let God heal them, and they can drive you to healthy solutions, or it can like I've seen in friends in ministry, or even in myself in different times, like my own desire to fix some of the injustices or the you know like the brokenness that I see can become something that drives me to a degree that it can become unhealthy too. Like if I don't let, if I don't let God constantly speak into that wound and say I'm bigger and I'm doing more and I'm like, and just trust me and I'm all you need anyway. Um, it can almost become, it's like you can start to fall in love with the cause
1: and not the creator. Do you know what I mean? It can become a source of of anger, you know, and resentment. Yeah.
0: yeah, Yeah, Absolutely. Or, or, Or an obsession, an unhealthy obsession
1: yeah it was it, it, like that's a statement. was there a question
0: no, I just like have you ever seen that too <laughs> yes.
1: yes this is yes. this is
2: me I've seen that in my own ministry at times and I, I yeah. guess I was wondering have you encountered that as someone who's you know doing ministry and trying to fix some of these systemic issues as well Have you also ever bumped into that?
1: yeah I mean absolutely I mean, you see people who who i mean who leave the church you know or who le- react angrily um and and try to change the church but in in a venomous way. Yeah, 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 um, and and that's not a that's not a healed wound. Yeah, and
0: I've I've seen ministry leaders uh, turn that into an idol, whatever whatever aspect of renewal or whatever aspect of uh, dysfunction that needs to be transformed, they turn that into an idol to where everything in their ministry, everything in their parish, is built around this one little uh, broken piece. So it's like it's like you have a broken pinky. And so the whole body can't go anywhere until the pinky is healed. And that's not the case. There's still good work happening at your parish. Like take a breath, take a step back. If you've got blinders on because of one instance or one situation, take a breath and look at the other good things that God is doing and know that he might be saying, I am going to get to that. But Chris, right now, I need to focus on this aspect or this aspect. And you won't understand until two years from now, right? And that's, that's how God works.
2: Yeah, I think you you there's like it takes like discipline to stay focused on like what's most essential, and it takes like love. Yeah, it takes like love of God and love of neighbor almost to just be like I'm gonna not make this just about ideology. Like even in my own work, I've had to do that. As someone who operates kind of in this, you know, I'm trying to push the institutional church to adopt a more evangelistic, disciple oriented lens, right? And so that's like my mission. Uh, and I feel like I have to be very disciplined about just keeping not making it about ideology, though, or my way is right, or I have all the answers, but to just kind of like constantly, yeah, the humility or even like the poverty of spirit that just says, I don't know much, you know, like, but we're just going to do what we can. And for the most part, what I'm going to try to do is like love my wife and love the people around me. And, and, and that, that's what I think creates sustainable ministry um,
1: seasons. Uh, yeah,
0: and, and that's more attractive than the newest program, right? Yeah, and so so that's the beauty of renewing parish culture one heart at a time.
1: Well, and responding responding to that wound and and like ministering out of it, I, I feel like you you have to have community, you have to have mentorship, you have to have peers that you're talking to about this. You, you you if if you've been healed, um, and you and you are called to mission out of that in to mission to I guess that same field. Having other people to talk to, to say, hey, this is how I feel God is calling me to respond to this hurt, this pain that's happening in the church. Does this seem like something God's calling, like, that? that does this seem right, you know? And, and obviously looking at the wisdom of the church herself to inform that is, is how you know in a way, like working with all those things is, is how you know that it's a, a healthy response to, to what's happened.
2: This is a weird, I totally agree. That's a really great point. Man, I love all, all your points today. This is like, I'm like really like vibing on these things. This has been something I've even been trying to challenge myself with. So I, I'm not necessarily like a very traditional liturgy guy. I don't want to get into like the, the liturgy in like a serious way, but. Learn him. Yeah, that's not <laughs> like my, that, that wasn't like how I was. It's just never been like my, my worldview. Like it's like, that, that's never been a big concern of mine. But I had some friends recently who are, who are very much so like operating that like renewal of the liturgy space. And they like really challenged me to be like, Hey, the church says this, don't you think we should listen to that? And like, it's even like things like that, where you can just kind of take some humility and take a step back and say, yeah, I don't know. Like, like let, let your own thinking and like, there's a certain, again, that poverty of spirit that just kind of hands over to Holy Mother Church and just kind of says like, lead me, guide me. And how can I do this according to, um, that was just one of those areas recently where I like I was personally challenged where it's like, well, maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe there is something here that's uh, above me or beyond me or I don't know. Yeah. And keeping that constant freshness, I think that's where people in ministry start to go astray is where they, they come to a conclusion and answer. And then that's the answer for the next 20 years. And it's like, we're still just going to keep rolling. Like this is what we know. know, I I feel like I've encountered that a lot of times. So um, yeah.
0: Well, good. Well, we are out of time today, but I want to I want to give you a chance for final thoughts, and then also let people know how they can reach out to you.
2: Oh, great! Yeah. So, um, our website is laltocatholic.com, L A L T O Catholic um, dot com, and you can we have a contact form there that just goes right to my email, so you can get in touch with me really easily through that. Yeah, I would welcome anyone reaching out, even if they just have thoughts or questions, you know, or or want to call me a heretic for anything I said. I'm, <laughs> I'm open to all of that. So. <laughs>
0: Excellent. And then, are you on the social media or anything along those lines?
2: Sure. Yeah, I uh, I'm on Facebook a lot. Uh, I feel like that's where I engage in a lot of conversation. And then um, I have an Instagram and a Twitter, but I'm not good. At, Instagram's just cute pictures of my kids for so that I can go back and look at them next year and be like, oh, uh, I remember that. But uh, and then I I tweet like once every two months. So. Uh, I usually just retweet something father Mallon says, you know, so if you want to, if you want some great retweets from father Mallon's Twitter, check me out on Twitter. <laughs>
0: the, the best of. Father, Yeah. The Malin. best. Yeah. if
2: you need to curate it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's about good. as effective as I am on Twitter. It's like, yeah. nope, I'm not. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can, yeah. I have to be honest with you. Frankly, some of it is like the negativity.
2: Like I just yeah. can't like get yep. too into it. Um, yep. but yeah.
0: Well, good. We'll know that you guys are made for mission. Thank you, Tim, for joining us today. And, uh, Let's continue the conversation online.
1: Please send any feedback you have to Matt. No, not Matt. (laughs) I'm so used to saying matt at ablaze.us. You can email me too. But email us at mla at ablaze.us and share this podcast with someone.
0: And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone.
1: And if you want to go far, we go together.
0: Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders, pray with other ministry leaders, and reconnect yourself to the deep sense of mission God has called you to.
1: Amen. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless.